0: Big drum, and the big parade. All of the body got there. And all we couldn't hear was the people say, nobody say, two way, pocky way. The bill came down, blowing at new car.
1: I think about New Orleans at least one time a day, if not more. And that is absolutely not an exaggeration. And with Mardi Gras coming up on Tuesday, the first Mardi Gras without a parade since 1978, I believe, I decided to make a little New Orleans Mardi Gras tribute for this week's Rough Sundays. And to prepare for doing so, I decided to pull up one of my all-time favorite shows that I've ever produced, which is saying something because, I mean, I've been in radio since I was a kid, like 17 years old. I had my own show. More or less, I didn't through that, in and out of that, whatever you want to say, throughout the years, moved into podcasting. So I probably produced over 2,000 shows, uh, radio and podcast combined. And it was a show with the Prince of New Orleans, Christopher Gargiul, and it was one centered around songs about New Orleans that you could play in the jukebox in his bar there in the French Quarter, Charters and Bienville, called The Chart Room. The bar is called The Chart Room. In my opinion, it's the greatest bar in the world. And that's also not an exaggeration, and I've also done about as much research into bars as I've produced podcasts. So, please believe me that anybody that uh, asks me for my tips uh, when they go to New Orleans, I trade them. I and and many of you have done this. I say I will I will send you everything, I will help you plan everything, but you have to do something as soon as you land. You walk over and you break bread with Brother Chris Christopher Garcia, Prince of New Orleans. You have a drink and you put a little money in the jukebox and you play my favorite song there. And uh, everybody does it. And everybody falls in love with Chris and the chart room and the good side of the French Quarter in New Orleans, which so very few people get to see these days. So getting back to the show, I I went in to revisit that magical episode uh, only to find out that while the show is listed on Spotify, you can see it there on the list of shows, it wouldn't play. And I have no idea why. Uh, Maybe somebody sued, and I just wasn't aware, or maybe it was just too hot for the general public, maybe it was too magical, I don't know what it was, but instead of a new show this week, uh, instead of me just talking on my own about New Orleans and how much I miss it, and playing some songs and probably crying, I thought we should just, I want to repost this, I want to repost the show I did with Chris, Uh, first of all, like I said, it's one of the greatest shows I've ever been a part of. Uh, next it's, it's something that we need to hear, especially right now. You're looking for a little positivity, a little magic, uh, but mostly for posterity as I want it. And I want the matter, I I want the magic, sorry, of both new Orleans and brother Chris, not to mention the magic of the day before Mardi Gras, which is when he and I recorded the show as he was getting ready for Mardi Gras with his family. I want that show around forever. Uh, in re-listening to it, it's, uh, it's a messy edit you know, because I was living in Berlin at the time, and so we had to do it through Skype. But then I had to set up speakers to record the Skype. so it's a messy edit. Uh, I'm I'm a terrible host. I'm forgetting words. I'm I'm, you know, it, you'll see. It's not well structured. It's it's me getting excited about talking to a dear friend of mine about a, a city that's 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 very dear to me that chewed me up and spit me out, and I can't wait to be regurgitated again and again. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a it's a terribly produced show. My email pings are going off in the background because I guess I was too cheap to buy the actual songs off of iTunes, and I was just recording that. And I have both a cold and a southerness accent. My Oklahoma comes out, what I've, I've worked so hard to to lose that. But you know, you, you you start talking to Brother Chris, and you start talking about New Orleans, and all of a sudden those those words become multi multi-syllabic and is drawn out but it is magic and he goes into what it's like waiting on mardi gras he he explains the second line he talks about the mardi gras indians uh goes into the the explanation of different crews and different floats and but but really uh i call him the prince of new orleans because he he embodies that spirit and the kindness and that and the just everything. You can hear it in his voice why he is this person to, to myself and so many others. So sit back. Slightly longer show this week. But trust me, I promise you it's worth it. And it will end up being one of your favorites as well. If you, if you want to truly understand New Orleans, and I'm not talking about Beignets and Bourbon Street. If you want to understand the magic and the temerity and the tenacity and the naughtiness and the, everything about that city... Make yourself a cup of coffee or something stronger. Sit back and enjoy a terribly produced show on my part and a wonderfully hosted show on Christopher Garciul's part. It's Rough Sundays.
0: Welcome to Rough Sundays with Eric S. Queen.
1: I can't go back to New Orleans for a very long time, which is uh, just a terrible thing to admit. One, because it's the best city in America. Two, because it's the second best city in the world behind Paris, I think. And and three, because it was my home for a while. And and it was a home that not only stuck, but really it got under my skin. Like it gets under so many other people's skin. And like, no, other place can get under your skin. Um, and I'm not going to depress you with my sad, sad story. Uh, that lives somewhere online if you're a decent Googler. But what that doesn't mean is that I can't do everything I can to stay close to it in a sense, even if that means hijacking a, a, my Sunday morning downbeat, laid-back show to talk to one of my dearest friends and to talk all things Crescent City. But how many how many shows, how many pages, how many tunes have been written about the magic of New Orleans? Lots. And while that's what we're going to also try to do today, I, I wanted to kind of try perhaps a, a more, I guess, autobiographical angle And I want to do that by introducing you to a place called the Chart Room.
2: stronger the longer I stay away. Miss the, the moss-covered vines, the tall sugar pines where Boys used to sing. And I'd like to see the lazy Mississippi a hurrying into spring. Oh, the miles. Lost memories of Creole's tombs that filled the air. I dream of old Eanders in June, and soon I'm wishing that I were there. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans when that's where you left your heart? does something more I miss the one I care for more than I miss new Orleans.
1: Chart Room uh, sat right there at the corner of Charters and Bienville, a few streets away from the walking living hell that is Bourbon Street. It's it's this sacred spot with its dark interior and, and wraparound French doors and it's just it's been the setting for just about as many adventures as I can think of. Um, my dearest friend Denver and I lived there, uh, honestly, <laughs> for some days. I think our longest stretch was... 13 14 hours you get there early you get that 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 perfect table with the breeze coming through and, and you don't leave you sit there and Denver goes and get some po' boys and I go and get some oysters and Later on we get a pizza and the drinks keep coming and uh, It's church It's it's we call it church, you know, uh, it's it's the doctor's office. It's therapy. It's entertainment It's safety its fellowship and it. it it's it's this carnival of all orchestrated by a few people, but the uh, the person that I want to talk about, his name, is Christopher Gargio, or uh, known to a lot of us as Brother Chris, known to myself as the Prince of New Orleans. Um, Brother Chris, just a famed barman of this little place in question on today's show, he, he, he was the first person to really introduce to me what New Orleans was really, really about. Uh, and this happened many, many years ago with the story that I guess I can tell you, leaving out the details, which is probably best for my own good. I, um, I was literally down and out in New Orleans. I had no real place to stay, a couch, uh, an outdoor couch. <laughs> um, and I had about 20 bucks a day before uh, my flight came three days later. So an outdoor couch, 20 bucks a day, uh, in, in the New Orleans heat, this must have been July or August, I had nothing to do but just walk around, um, and you talk about torture, <laughs> I mean, twenty dollars in your pocket, not enough to follow the smells into every single door, and not enough to follow the sounds into every single music hall, and, and, and just, you, you were restricted, and it was a mean, terrible thing to go through, and, and I just remember I walked one day all the way from uh, Audubon Park, Uptown, all the way to the French Quarter, that's a long walk, and I was hot and I was thirsty and I was hungry and I was tired and I was dirty and I stunk. And I just saw this, this I don't want to say it's, it was a friendly looking bar, but it was an interesting looking bar. They had some seats right out there outside at the intersection. And so I sat down and counted my change. It was change at that point in the day. I had change and, uh, you know, realized I probably had enough for a beer. So I walked up and the just a curiously eyed barman leaned over and asked what, what he could get me. And I you know, kind of pointed to the cheapest beer I could and he gave it to me and I sat back down and I nursed that beer for, it must have been two hours, three hours maybe, smoking the last of my cigarettes and just waiting for the day after the day to come so I could get on an airplane and get the hell out of New Orleans and he, uh, he came up and, and sat by me and I thought this was it, you know, I'm getting kicked out, fair enough, I haven't been buying anything, nursing my three dollar beer for three hours. And he uh, he popped a can, I'll never forget this, he popped a can of a beta Andy Gator. And he said, this one's on the house. And he looked at me with just the look of somebody that knew I needed a drink and I couldn't afford one. And, and that was Brother Chris. And that was the chart room. And that was the first time that I realized that this amazing, soulful, dirty, dangerous, fascinating, stinky, just everything city existed outside of the cat's meow or whatever it is and so instead of doing a show specifically about New Orleans or Mardi Gras which is uh, tomorrow I thought we'd do a show about the, the best songs you can play on that famous jukebox in the back of that famous little bar right next to those famous poker machines where the famous brother Chris keeps his watch over this colorful like I said carnival of, of followers, disciples I suppose we should say and I thought we would. I'm just going to stop talking but i'm excited for you to get to know new orleans through the words through the, the spirit which you'll hear in the way he talks and tells a story i'm going i either have to start drinking heavily start crying or, or or call him now so let's go ahead and let's go ahead and ring him
3: I'm a little bit nervous here so. yes
1: I'm looking for the uh, Prince of New Orleans. I didn't know. If it was- <laughs>
3: I, I, I guess that's me, the Prince of New Orleans. I, I, I like to hear that from you, but I don't know if I would go by
1: that. I was nervous to call, and then I was excited about the show, and now I hear your voice, and I know it's a day before Mardi Gras, and now I'm just like, I'm fighting pre-Mardi Gras depression now. Thanks for letting me call you, by the way. I know you've got a family and work and stuff like that on Looney Gras, but hey.
3: Oh, it's, man, it's wonderful, man. I wish you were here with us.
1: Oh, it. I do. I do. I look forward to the pictures. Uh, how's New Orleans? I mean, this is supposed to be a music show, but we can personally catch up real quick. How is, how is that city that I love and miss every day?
3: It's alive right now. It, it, it is truly, it's, it's jumping. It's alive. It's, it's Lundi Gras Day, and it's the day when uh, the mayor symbolically gives the keys to the king of Rex and the king of Zulu, gives the keys to the city for the next day. And it's he's symbolically handing over power and and control or whatever so that they can do whatever they want. So tomorrow is going to be a uh, you know, it's bacchanal. It's it's uh, it's going to be everything that anything that you want it to be. Put it that way. It's everything that you want it to be.
1: And what for people that listening that that aren't really sure about some of these? So you're talking Rex and Zulu. What what is Rex and Zulu to somebody who's unaccustomed?
3: So there's different crews they call them that are these really big uh, social uh, social groups that they have big parades and, and all throughout the year they do different things for uh, different fundraisers and benefits and uh, so the Rex crew is traditionally more of kind of a uptown uh, more well to do I guess traditionally you'd say more well to do white guys I don't for lack of a better better way to say. It. And Zulu, I believe, started traditionally African-American. And it's kind of, kind of funny. It breaks, it breaks the, uh, a lot of the, the societal norms that would be allowed anywhere else. Everybody in it dresses in blackface. Black guys, white guys, they all dress in blackface with grass skirts. And they throw out coconuts to, uh, to the people, to everyone on the side. And uh, to catch a Zulu coconut on Mardi Gras Day is... Of one of the best things that you could get from, from any of the parades. It's a, it's, it's coveted. It's coveted. It means you're, it, it, it's, setting your day off to be great.
1: It's second best to getting a key to the city. Basically, you get a Zulu coconut. I mean, that's what do we have? Yeah, the thi- yeah. the things that you want to catch. Obviously, a coconut from Zulu. You've got uh, a highly decorated shoe from Muses. The cute. Move. That's right. And then you've got. Uh, there's a third one. What's, the, what is it? Something from Rex?
3: I don't even know if Rex has a. A uh, something in particular that they that they do up themselves. The the coconuts and the shoes are both hand decorated. There's the purses from Nicks. They do want.
1: That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, the purse, the shoe, and the coconut. That's right. what I was trying to think
3: Right, of. I guess. That's a, it's a Mardi Gras trifecta right there.
1: Well, before we talk anymore, because you and I, I think, could go on for a couple of hours about this, uh, I was going to start off the show. Now, I, I mentioned it the first of the show, but obviously, I want to say it again. That every single song we're going to play here, if you walk in and to the greatest bar in the entire world, which is Chart Room there in the French Quarter, uh, you, know, you can find these songs in the jukebox. Uh, Chris, I was thinking about Little Irma, but I wanted to see what you thought about a Little Irma.
3: I Irma has a, a big place in my heart, uh, and to be honest with you, all these songs they they are interconnected with the chart room, with me, and with a lot of people. When you're in there, it's you know it becomes a uh, it becomes a, a soundtrack to to a feeling that you have. When you feel good in there, and then you hear these songs over and over. They they become interconnected, and uh, it's this is that's part of the little bit of magic to me that the chart room has, and I'm sure to other people without even recognizing that that becomes it becomes a uh, becomes a part of the magic, the the intangibles. <laughs>
4: Love of my soul. Oh, where can you be? I
2: wait patiently. My heart cries out from pain inside. Oh, where can you be? I wait patiently.
1: Thomas, ruler of my heart. Uh, We're talking to brother Chris of The Chart Room. I'm getting uh, happier and sadder with with every single second we talk and every single song that we're playing. And, And before this, I mean, to sum up The Chart Room is like trying to sum up New Orleans, which many people have tried and I think many people have failed. But I mean, what is it about this little bar on the corner of Bienville and Charter's right off of the main drag on the french quarter which you know i would i would suggest nobody go to what is it about the chart room i mean you've been there you you could go anywhere you want to in the world you could bartender anywhere you want in the world especially new orleans why chart room and what is it about chart room if you can even explain
3: i I don't even know if you can i there's there's a handful of things that that the for one thing the corner spot with the big french doors that open up and then the just the old brick that's there and the people that come in there, it is, it's no big thing for a billionaire to be sitting next to, the, to a bar back or a dishwasher, but certainly neither one of them ever asks, what do you do? And, the, and the, there's a good chance the dishwasher offers to buy the other guy a drink. There's that and there's, there's just a bunch of intangibles, probably a little bit of it all touching each other and just making this, this gumbo of, of good feelings. And, it, and it coming together, the sum is greater than the, uh, the addition of the parts, you know? It's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's something real special, and, and I'm, I'm lucky to be a part of it, and I've had some, uh, I've had some wonderful moments in there. One, one of them that's sticking out in my head was, it, I think I just started a shift, and there was, it was empty, and which is a rarity, but it was empty. There was one guy sitting at the front table with the doors open, and another couple, this guy might have been about 60 years old, another couple came in the back door and they're sitting there and I was talking to him for a minute and the guy, I think the guy was from Arizona and he looks over at the guy in the front and he's like no way and he starts looking and he stands up to look and he says uh, that's my brother who I haven't seen in 25 years and I haven't talked to in 25 years and he starts talking to his wife saying should I, you know, should I, and the wife was like, yeah, you should go over there, but I I guess they must have had an argument, or something serious, whatever it was, I think the last time they were together was in Minnesota, they were both visiting New Orleans, and they both happened to be in the char room at this moment, and he goes over to talk to him, I see him actually take a breath before he goes over, goes over to talk to him, and next thing you know, they're giving big hugs, and uh, sitting down, and enjoying Sazeracs at the front table, that was a, It was a moment.
1: I'll tell you another one of those stories, though. It was just one of those springtime New Orleans days. You know, the the heat is just around the corner. You can feel you can feel it about to drop. Right. But it was just one of those afternoons. And if you were behind the bar and there was, I don't know, maybe five, six other people in there, which means it must have been early because usually there's at least ten. And it just, the breeze was coming through. I had one of your gin and tonics and a big cigar, got the, that corner table that's all, you know, you talk about a coconut from Zulu. I think right underneath that is the corner of our chart <laughs> room. And, and you walk over to the jukebox and you play a song that I have never heard before, but it was just the weather, the drink, the, the fellowship, and it was Summertime in New Orleans by Anders Osborne and uh, Big Chief Monk Boudreaux. Am I saying that right? That's right. That's right. And just, I mean, just every time, as soon as that song came on, I walked right up to, you and I wrote it down on my phone, piece of paper, so I wouldn't forget it. And, you know, every time that song comes on, I'm just, I'm transported back to that wonderful day. And I was actually going to... Um, I, I want to, on my next batch of tattoos, I was going to get, I think it's 46.16, I think, is what I was going
3: to... I, I don't know if you want to get, I think it's 4707. You, you, might, you might have the wrong, you might have the wrong uh, <laughs> no, tattoo. No, on. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> <laughs> call me, call me before you get this tattoo. <laughs> All right, 4707
1: before I make another mistake. Uh, little summertime in New Orleans, Anders Osborne, Big Chief Monk Boudreaux.
5: Stoop of my house Watching folks go by Lazy days Chewing on ice We all just waiting on July Nosey plays her mind we all know what it means Crack tag of rain The city's so low in summertime in New Orleans Yeah, fella's getting drunk on a Sunday We all know they're just keeping cool I'm hanging out playing card games with my new best friend who's got a pool. Ozzy plays James Andrews, and we all know what it means. Rag a tag a City so low, with summertime in New Orleans. The garbage truck just passed you up, and a potent smell of seafood shells and sweet blue magnolia trees. That summertime in New Orleans. Yeah, gallons of daiquiris, snowball cones, slow drive by the lake. Yeah, I'm driving 35 through all the school zones, but my brand new AC unit just broke. Kermit and we he knows he's barbecuing up in phones rag a tag a rain mm-hmm. smoking a joe in summertime in New all Yeah a buggy ride through the quarter mm-hmm. drinking hurricanes and listening Fans. Kirk, too, now. Little kids splashing water, yeah We got gutter punks and gentlemen in straw hats And O.Z. the plains that's And We all know who that is a a city so slow. It's summertime in New Orleans. Yeah, ragged tag rain. A city so slow. It's summertime.
1: rough sundays we're talking chart room i am uh you know you want chris you, you you go into a show wanting to sound learned and you go into a show wanting to sound prepared and all i've sat here and do is just listen to your voice and talk about boozy days at the chart room and i i hope anybody listening is having as much fun as i am right now i hope you're having as much fun
3: as i am i am it's a treat for me too believe me i'm almost reliving uh standing on the outside looking in a little bit at the, some of my uh, just everyday stuff, but it it is reminds me of how special how special I have it, you know how, how lucky I am to tell you the truth.
1: How how long have you been at the chart room?
3: I've been there uh, I guess about eight years, nine years total, which is not that long for there. There's another bartender that I work with that's been there for thirty one years. Something. Is that Miss Lisa? Miss Lisa. Miss Lisa's been there for thirty one years. And then there's another one that's been there for about ten or eleven years. There's a... Yeah, people have been there for a
1: while. I hope that it's resonating. Just, it's a special place. It's it's just, that's that's the the best adjective that I had for it. It's just such a special place.
3: That's it. And, you know, it's it's uh, it could be something different to everybody. Just, just like New Orleans is. Really, I've lived in New Orleans at different times in my life. And it's a different place for me at different times in my life because of what you're looking to get out of it and, you know... And the truck could be the same thing. It's a microcosm, maybe, of of the city.
1: What was it like moving there? Because you're not from New
3: Orleans. No, no, I grew up in New
1: Jersey. What was it like moving there? Or what was it? Like, what was the? Was was the? Was there an acclimation period? Was it one of those? You come down. See, I I had been to New Orleans many many times. I did the touristy, stayed on Bourbon Street, drunk the hand grenades. Didn't like New Orleans just because of that reason. It was just a you know a, a terrible drunk and a terrible hangover. Yeah. And it wasn't until I actually stayed there for a few months got to meet you started you know seeing the real New Orleans and living uptown with Miss Diana and and just what was it like leaving New Jersey and coming to New Orleans was it immediate or was it was it kind of a
3: it was it was uh, you got first to put it into perspective I'm 23 years old and I had just gotten a job out of, in Manhattan out of my out of within my degree within my field that I'd studied. I was working on the Geraldo show, actually, at CBS Studios. <laughs> were you really? I was, I was. And um, I was here for Jazz Fest with a couple friends of mine, and it was time to go home. And we had, uh, there, there was some fungus involved in the day. <laughs> and uh, it was time to go home. Jazz Fest was over. We were standing ankle deep in mud. And three of us looked at each other and said, I'm not saying we don't go home, but I am saying that we go home and move back here. And we proceeded to go home and make up fake resumes because this was 1993. Uh, that said, we were all bartenders, and uh, the excitement and all that. We moved into the French Quarter in this magical place. That it, it, the whole thing—it's a bit much of a story, but the excitement and the magic slapped us in the face right away. There wasn't uh, there wasn't much acclamation going on. And I was at the age when I thought I was a character and I wanted to be the wild character. And like I said before, what you want out of it, uh, you can get. And so that was a full-on different New Orleans that I was looking for. And it got so wild that I had to uh, run away and, and, and regroup. I had to regroup and come back, come back a good amount of years later.
1: Which is an important part of New Orleans that a lot of people don't realize is that you have, it is, it's, it, it's an intense city. And we're not jo- talking about, you can find it in the music, in the food, in the people, in the crime, in the heat. And you have to take these steps back from, from New Orleans.
3: I, th- I think that you do. Now, when I say you have to, I have to. Probably you have to. But there are many people that I see all the time that uh, just step on the gas a little bit harder. And because it's exciting. It's exciting and it's uh, it's intri- it's 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 intoxicating, man. It's intoxicating. You're like you're drinking this. You're 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 eating it, man. You're eating life, and there's it's <laughs> maybe uh, you know you want to push. You want to look a little far over the edge, a little farther, a little farther. But for me, at that time, I knew when it was time to leave, and I had I took off to run around the world and came back with a with a lady and a little bit of a different uh, perspective on life and what I was wanting to get out of it this last time that I moved here
1: well speaking of stepping on the gas I, I think it should be brought up that there's this great bumper sticker in New Orleans that says you know we put the fun in funeral and you know every single uh every single travesty that happens to New Orleans and there have been many there just there seems to be this 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 resilience that's just not only poetically comical it's just you know, you, you you it's it's Confederacy of Dunces. It's just finding this humor in the darkest. I remember last time I was there and I was I was hanging out with you quite a bit, there was a a sinkhole, you know, right in the middle of the city. And instead of causing a big I sound like my, my mother here, but instead of causing a big ruckus, uh, they decided to throw a sinkhole to Mayo Party because that's, that's 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 the New Orleans mentality. And I want to play this song by Kermit Ruffins, which I actually, I have a chorus tattooed on my arm. I just think it's beautiful, but it's, when I die, you better second line. Second line, of course, is every single photo you see. You can can explain it, Chris. Every single photo you see of New Orleans, you see a second line, of course, the big parade, but why do they call it a second line?
3: Well, the second line is referring to the the people that are following behind the band, the brass band. And uh, a second line is normally done for either a a funeral or a... uh, or a wedding, and uh, for, say for a funeral, there would be a, a, a progression of songs that would start off with uh, very slow, just a closer walk with thee, something like that, and then it progresses a little bit more into a little bit, uh, a little bit faster tempo, and then to something that's celebratory, like I'll fly away. It's, it's, it's a little magic. One quick little story about when, when I had just moved back here, I was fixing my house up, working on my house, and I had to go to the hardware store, and I'm on the way to the hardware store, and my car I'm, I get stopped in traffic from this second line. So instead of waiting for them, I pulled the car over, and I jumped in with the second line and paraded through to neighborhoods that I didn't even know at the time and ended up in the backyard at the barbecue for this... I don't even know who it was. Anyway, my wife called me. It must have been two and a half hours later, like... What the heck are you doing? And I said, I, I really just caught some magic. I really, it really did. I just, I got swept up in a little tornado of magic on the way to the hardware store. And New Orleans is the kind of place that on a Monday afternoon, this is possible to happen. If you're, if you're willing to step into it instead of honking your horn and wanting to get by, if you're willing to step into it, you can get caught up in the magic.
0: Every day of the week parade my soul up and down the street when I die. Oh Lord, you better second line. When I die, when I die, you better second line. Second life. When, I die, when I die, you better monkey shine. Take your time. You better put my coffin on top of the ball. Put the jukebox on a closer walk when I die. When I die oh Lord, you better second line. When, when I die, you better second line. Second when, when I die, you better second line. You better put my beeper on my side the pretty girls think i'm still alive when i die die, oh lord you better second life life. oh when i die die, you better second life life. when i die die, you better second second life you better put my trumpet on my side For the big jam session Beyond the skies When I die Oh Lord, we on a second run. Second line, second line. When, I die, when I die, you better second line. Second line. You better put my gaiters on my feet in case it's too hot for me to take the heat when I die. When I die oh Lord, you better second line. Second line. You better second line. second line. Oh yeah, yeah, second line. Second line. Oh, you got a second line. Yeah, y'all want six white horses and 15 short girls to sing and dance me a song. Bring me under the Claiborne Avenue Bridge. Up Claiborne and down Claiborne. And when I get by job, I want y'all to spike up that didn't he ramble. We want second line. Everybody go ahead, get to one of them four bottles of wine. We're going to second line all day long. And I want you to brown some turkey neck, brown some pigtails, light up the grill, and barbecue all week long. we're going to second line all week long. When I die, when you die, we're going to second line.
1: Hermit Ruffins, Rough Sundays, When I Die, You Better Second Line. We are talking to Brother Chris. I say Brother Chris in in two different ways. Brother Chris because he is Brother Chris of the Chart Room, the uh, greatest bar in all of the world, which this show is based around. Every song we're playing, you can play on that just magical jukebox there in the back of Chart Room, but also Brother Chris because he's been a very dear friend to me over the years. Uh, I want to talk about you know, you and your family and what a family does uh, before Mardi Gras. But, but before we do that, I want to tell my, my, my favorite Kermit Ruffin stories. And anybody that lives in New Orleans, I'm sure, has a, a dozen Kermit Ruffin stories. Kermit is, uh, he likes his drink and he likes even more, he likes his weed. And uh, we saw him, Chris, we saw him come out at the Blue Nile and just you know, the doors to the stage open and you can just see the the smoke pouring out. Like you just, you have no doubt whatsoever what they were doing back there for the past hour. And he is higher than I have seen many, many, many people. You know, how he he squints that one eye and he comes out on stage and and he just looks at everybody. He's just like, well, you know, I just want to, I just glad you came out to the Blue Nile. I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And somebody in the back goes, Kermit. (laughs) It's February, and didn't miss a beat. He's like, "Well, I just want to welcome y'all to February," and then he just starts playing like just so high, so magical, so Kermit. I mean, that's you go to the city, you need to see a Kermit Ruffins show,
3: no doubt. And maybe get a little Kermit Ruffins barbecue if you can. I think he could, he uh, he sets up a smoker sometimes at some of his shows in the afternoon, and he'll feed you in between sets. Let's talk. Um, let's that we talked New Orleans, we talked music, we talked about the magic of the
1: city and chart room. How does a husband with a beautiful family, father of two, what is New Orleans like for a family of four? Like when when people think of New Orleans, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, you go out and it's a party and it's amazing, and like you said, you go to the hardware store and three hours later you're just finishing up a second line. As to have a family there, is it is it harder than say New Jersey? Is it easy? Like what is it? What is it like on that side of things, the side of New Orleans that we never see or hear about?
3: Well, to me, New Orleans is never, ever harder than New Jersey, <laughs> no matter what. But let's say this, having a family is a different life. And so uh, a harder, or however you want to say it, I don't look at it as harder. This isn't just a new chapter in my life, and we do different things. So I don't... Uh, I don't uh, Obviously, do the same thing that I that I did. As much as I would love to go out and stay out until six in the morning, um, all kinds of nights. Yeah, every once in a while, I'll pull that off. But uh, New Orleans, it, it's it's great for families too. Even Mardi Gras, just Mardi Gras. There's just about everywhere except for Bourbon Street and the surrounding streets. Kids are. Uh, a big part of Mardi Gras.
1: So you'll take tomorrow. You're going to take the kids out to Mardi Gras.
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We got we got the wagon ready. We'll be pulling them around. They get dressed up. We get dressed up. Um, and we'll stay as far away from Bourbon Street as possible. Probably go uptown, see the Zulu parade, and do like a, you know, just dr- drag them around the uh, lower part of the quarter and. I'm sure I running into all kinds of people that I know, and it's just, everyone is in a great mood, and it's, it's really just spreading love out there. It's, it's, it's something really special. It's, it's, it's like no other. That day, that day especially.
1: Well, this is usually kind of a, a rough Sunday downbeat morning show, but now we're talking about Mardi Gras morning. I have to play some trombone shorty, because now I'm like, I'm living vicariously, so I'm going to play a little trombone shorty hurricane season here on rough Sundays. Come back and uh, talk more to Brother Chris from the chart room. Trombone Shorty, hurricane season. You are listening to Rough Sundays. I'm Eric S. Queen. We're talking to Brother Chris of the Chart Room. Uh, Mardi Gras is tomorrow. I, I'm just, I'm I'm just, I'm seething with jealousy, but hearing your voice is, is kind of helping me get through it. Uh, one part of Mardi Gras, Chris, that is important to you, and you were the first person to kind of teach me about this that I wanted to talk about. A side of uh, Mardi Gras that a lot of people might not know about, although they've seen the pictures are the Mardi Gras Indians. Can you explain, break it down for people that have no idea what Mardi Gras Indians are all about or New Orleans Indians are about, like what what is it? Sure, well I'll give you a
3: quick history that, that I know of, that I know of. Um, back when, uh, when the African Americans were not a part of or were not even allowed to be a part of all the, uh, the festivities really that were going on, the, the cruise, the, uh, the traditional Mardi Gras parades and all that, their own way to get involved in their own thing, I guess, was they adopted some t- tribe names. Each neighborhood would would be a, a certain tribe, and their connection with the Indians was back in the day when slaves ran away, they were uh, taken in by Indians, and so there was this there was this uh, uh, a, a a real connection. I mean, a survival connection that they had. Anyway, and in terms of honoring them, they they had taken these names. Of the Indian tribes, so there a couple of them would be. Uh, let's see, man. It was the uh, the Creole Wild West. There's the Wild Chapatulas. There's the Wild Magnolias. There's a there's there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Anyway, back in the day, in the early 1900s to probably the 1950s, it really was a day for these for the folks to uh, to settle scores. It wasn't about all pretty and singing. It was about settling scores and there was a lot of violence going on there's a a guy that i'm friends with that told me when he he's probably about 70 now when he was younger and you heard the indians coming down the street he said that they would have uh, some of the sticks and there would be bottle caps nailed on them and you can hear them coming that moms and aunts would grab all the kids and you get in the house and they shut the shutters because some serious stuff was happening Anyway, let's fast forward to 56 years later, and now, up to now, where there was one guy who was the chief of chiefs called Big Chief Tootie Montana. He changed that whole culture to who makes the prettiest suit, and you can see now how much effort gets put into making a new suit for the big chief, for the spy boy, for the flag boy, for the wild man. These are different different roles that are in each tribe. And I mean, it, it's, it's a year's a year long from numerous people, and it is tw- ten, twenty thousand dollars worth of beads, and so much hundred, thousands of hours of work that they put into to come out with the new suit every year. So, this big
1: chief. So after after Mardi Gras after Mardi Gras Day. After working all year, spending all this money on a suit, that suit is never worn again.
3: Well, no, that's not true, because there's one other day. There's two days a year that these suits are worn. One of them is Super Sunday, which is St. Joseph's Day, that they all come out again to do this, to uh, to show, and, and, it's, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a pride thing in, in each neighborhood, that the they come out in their neighborhood and then they go to see, they try and meet up with the other tribes and, and almost to do a... a they 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 battle in song and um, and prettiness is what they do now. It's it's more symbolic, yeah. But one wild story about it: Big Chief Tooto Martena, who was the chief of chiefs for a long time, um, he changed this culture and he made it uh, inclusive for that ev- everyone could be a part of it by making the pretty suits. And it was about maybe twelve years ago that. There, the, one of the only uh, problems with the police that had happened with the Indians in recent years. there was a talk that, that someone saw a shotgun within uh, underneath of one of their suits, and the police stopped the gathering of the Indians on Super Sunday and it was a huge deal because they they jumped in on one of the few things that is just for, just for these folks. Yeah. And when he went to give a speech to City Hall, to the, to the City Council, about how important the Indians and the culture is, he got so worked up, and he died on the spot of a heart attack. On the floor, in front of the City Council, about how important the Indians are. And he's become a legend. He was a legend before that. I shouldn't say he's become a legend, but that whole thing has become uh, almost like a another hollywoodish type ending that you wouldn't believe if if someone wrote it and 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 if you ever did get are able to be around them on those days their 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 songs are uh they're they're all traditional call and response songs it's something special to be a part of if you ever do get a part of it now with my kids now it's not as easy you spend a lot of time trying to find some uh, some Indians on these days and not finding them. But when you do find them, you can follow them around now and then you end up getting in. But I've spent a few times not finding.
1: <laughs> well, let's let you uh, leave us and end this show with the song because I swear to God we talk anymore. I'm just going to sell everything I have and just... I'm just going to I'm I'm going to get on your 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 trailer for tomorrow that you're going to be pulling the kids around man I'm just
3: Don't make me talk more man I'll do it to get you down here cuz I will <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well and and let me say this before we end the show I mean it it's you know when you have a show you want you you think about the audience and you think about uh, you think you put yourself in the listener's position and you want to you know you want to have a well-rounded show and and I hope that this is it for all the magic that we're talking about but Selfishly and personally, so this was purely a selfish show, so that I could get a little bit of that Mardi Gras magic. And uh, you know, being able to talk to you before, brother Chris, is—you uh, will never have any idea how much uh, I appreciate the kindness of this and and the kindness that you show me throughout the years, man. It just. I cannot put that into words.
3: Uh, I'm honored too, Eric. Thank you very much for having me on, man. It's a uh, it's something special to me, and, and, and honestly, even just talking about it, all was giving me goosebumps too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, have some, have a few drinks for me tomorrow at Mardi Gras, and you said uh, there's there's I've got this track in front of me. Something
3: the song is called "So So So," meaning S E W So, and they're talking about. This is probably one of the only songs that talks about sewing and also talks about uh, the battling guys and, you know, they're referencing some of the old stuff about fighting and who knows, maybe pull out the gun or something like that. I'm not sure if that's in this version, but uh, the, the chorus is so, so, so because they have to get their suit ready for Mardi Gras morning.
6: When they come down and sing I'm nationwide. I'm so, so, so. I had six digits running across my chest.
0: Sundays will return next week.
1: Was that not, was that not magic? There, there are... I can put together a good show. I can say the things and do the edits and nice little fade in, fade out. and I, I can make a good show. What I can't make is, is, is a magical show. Those things just have to happen, just like New Orleans, just like Christopher was talking about. That, to me, is a magical show. And when life is normal, normal-esque, again um get thee down to the corner of charters and bienville get there early and pull up a chair right there on the outside over order on the drinks tip well anybody that's there brother chris you have to make sure brother chris is there miss lisa who he's talked about it's going to be there there's a few others any spare change you have please feed that jukebox that 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 mechanic orchestrator of the soundtrack to so many, many memories for so many, many, many people. It's magic I hope you experience, and I hope this show gave you a slight insight into everything that that city has to offer and why, for me, it's the greatest city in America and one of the top three cities in the world. That does it. Be good. Happy Mardi Gras here.
4: Let the
0: big parade all on the body granite The big bass drum let the big parade all on the body grade All the big bass drum let the big parade All on the body granite And all we could hear was the people sing. call,
4: all on the The bugle
0: player was playing the bugle call, all on the
4: mighty got de Oh, the bugle player was full of alcohol, all on the mighty got de And all he could hear
0: was the people. them coconuts drinking yellow wine, all
4: on a all the Zulu kings say he was feeling fine. We come. Yeah.